If you've ever wished you could sit down and have a quick chat with the genius man who wrote the New York Times bestselling book, Essentialism, and now Effortless 2, then you're in for a real treat. Today, Greg McEwen humors me with a few extra minutes of his time to share answers to your questions submitted on Instagram and a few random questions of mine too. I've got Greg McEwen here and he has agreed to do just a little rapid fire Q&A with me and and just a little bonus episode with you guys. So I thought this was a remarkably good question from someone named Tristan. She said, any tips for a stay-at-home mom? I feel like most people on his podcast have careers. My job never ends. Yeah, I'm going to build on that for just a second. I was doing a, a live event recently with with a group of people and I asked them, well, what's essential that you're under investing in? And one of the answers from one of the women was uh, time to think. And that really was curious to me. So we spent the next 15 minutes just working with her. She's a mother of six children. And she just said, literally, literally, she doesn't have five minutes to herself. And yep. I felt that. And the plot thickens a little bit because I was recently talking to somebody and I shared that story from an advice point of view, I said, well, what would you say to them? And their response, their first response was, oh, I don't believe that. And that almost made me gasp because it speaks to the isolation that being a stay-at-home mother can produce. Mm-hmm. Where it's not just the actual, the level one isolation, which is that you are at home away from adults for either the entire day or almost the entire day and every day. There's the, so there's that actual physical isolation. But then I think there's this double isolation where you just feel like people don't understand the experience. Yeah. And so there's, there's sometimes, sometimes a judgment of, well, what do you do all day? You know, and it's just like so vast, the chasm grows between what, the exhausting, endless experience is of being a stay-at-home mother Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes people's misunderstanding of it. So first of all, very sympathetic to it. Um, Well, what can you do? I mean, I mean, look, I'm obviously biased in this, but, but I feel like the spirit of effortless was written for the person asking this question. I think sometimes, just sometimes essentialism lost people in this place is this like, well, how can I put down these responsibilities? They're all so important. Right. Eff- effortless really picks up with that presumption. It's like, well, okay, what if the elimination of non-essentials can't solve the problem because you are so responsible? There's too many big rocks. Yeah. Yes. And so I think really what we've talked about today, but also different practices we didn't get to today that, that are in the book would be would be particularly relevant. Let me let me sort of say, you know, one thing. Uh, I would say is that the, the coaching session that I had with this, this woman with six children was like, okay, can you orchestrate five minutes for yourself? Mm-hmm. And as soon as she thought about it in this term, she, she realized, yes, she could, you know, that there was a way to do that. Well, if you can do five minutes, can you do 10? And I don't mean, well, therefore you can do four hours. No, but to create a space that is yours, not even to do anything, just not to do anything so that you can protect the asset 
that is that is you uh, that you can that you can have a moment of not being tapped it's it's far tougher tapping that's going on in that environment Mm-hmm. And and recognizing that you as an asset that what was her name Tristan Tristan that Tristan can discover more completely that 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 you are an asset worthy of creating space for worthy of investment in worthy of uh, time without the tapping and that that isn't being you know not being a good parent uh, that that is part of what makes it even possible even sustainable. Uh, and 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 that could be going for a walk. It could be taking a bath. It could be taking a shower. It could be just being in a room on your own with the door closed. Just so, if you can get more time, it's then having a little bit of time to to not not even not do. I don't mean sneaky work. I don't mean on I don't mean on Amazon buying something, solving a problem <laughs> for a kid. I don't mean that. I mean nothing. I mean yeah. listen to it. Sure, if a meditation it sounds helpful, listen to that. Watching a show, fine. You know. But something that isn't with other people, that's what I think. For, for Wonderful advice. Thank you. Okay, Sandy asks, how to balance my need for minimalism with my kids' demands on time and resources? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, you know, I'm sympathetic again. My, look, my position is that, that, my position is that essentialism is different to minimalism in an important way for mm-hmm. the question that's being asked. Essentialism I like, I love order personally. Um, and I would love to have a truly minimalist experience in house. I, I, I would love that. But when I make that the priority, whenever I have, it doesn't feel right. Hmm. In a sense, that's one of my differences between minimalism and essentialism. And maybe that's just how someone lives it. But to me, essentialism applies to, to family is that the relationships are more important than the clutter. The relationships are more important than having it clean. And, and of course, there's a tension between all important things, including this. But if when I make tidiness more important than my most important relationships, I'm not living essentialism. So embracing, I think, some of the messiness of life. Hannah and I at least have a phrase about this, that like if a home, I don't know where we picked this up from, but it's like if a home, I think it's, I think somebody that, that used to work as a, you know, doing nannying or something for someone else shared this idea with us. They said, if you go into a, a home that has children, but you can't tell that there are any children living there, she's like, I, I wouldn't work with them. Hmm. Interesting. That she wants to be in an environment where, yeah, children live here. Yeah. And so I think that's maybe what I would say is like, it's, it's lean into the, lean into the yeah it's messy it's children that's that's life mm-hmm. and and in a, in a relatively short period of time they won't be there anymore yeah and you can have it as tight as you like that quotation by Gordon B. Hinckley always just gets me right in my gut where he says, like, soon you'll miss the pitter-patter of little feet and in their pajamas or whatever. I Every time I hear that, I always go, oh, that is going to be me before I know it. When when we leave our home, so now we can say it, when our children leave our home, on average, they'll have had about 94% of the face time they're ever going to have with us. Oh. 
It's, yeah. it, and, and that period of time when we have the children are young is about 25% of our life, which is a big amount, but it's not as big as it feels when you're in it, especially when they're so little. When, yes. when the children are young, you feel like my whole life is going to be this. And, and it can be Diapers so... and goldfish. Yes, yeah. and, and, and exactly. <laughs> and chicken nuggets and mess and an and endless mess and hard to get anything clean or to feel clean for anything for you to even pick up after everybody itself can be cha- feel challenging. But now even just, you know, Bling and my eldest is now going to university and you go, yeah, it's, it is still a short period of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that doesn't make it i don't think that means that you don't feel burdened uh, i don't think that means that it then goes fast in the moment but i think it's it's about trying to get perspective and i think that's where we can connect question 1 to question 2 here today it's like use the few moments for yourself when you can have a moment to get perspective what really matters, what doesn't, and how can I try and ease the process of investing in the things that do? Okay. I love that. Um, I have a couple fun questions for Good. you. These are my questions. Good. Number one, what's the last book you read, not your own? Um, was A Man Named Uva. Oh, did you like it? I've been meaning to read that. I really did like it a lot. Okay. I liked Uva so much. Um, <laughs> he's he's, he's a uh, a character that as soon as you meet him, you know him. I mean, you know him within the first paragraph of the first story. And for me, I loved him from that first paragraph of the first story. He's actually a character that was written in a short story by a different author Hmm. um, before. And so then this author picked up the same character and just wrote uh, another story about him. And I think that's really somehow very beautiful in fiction you can do that in ways that in, in the kind of books I've written so far um, you, you can't do but maybe I will in the future fun I love hearing that okay uh, my other fun question is when you guys have a busy night or you're both just kind of burned out or stressed or whatever what's your go-to essentialist effortless meal what do you have as a family when you just need something easy oh um, for a meal Yes. What do you have for dinner when it's like, okay, let's just, let's just call it a, an easy night. What do do you do? (laughs) What's your go-to meal? Yeah. Um, well, um, I would say Chipotle. Okay. Um, I, I, we, we all love that and it doesn't feel as unhealthy as some of the other go-tos. There's another, there's another place. Yeah. I mean, we do, we like pizza too, but, but Chipotle I think would be more common for us. And then, and there's another place that just here in Southern California, but it's a panini grill. Oh, so we love it. Somebody listening to this. Yes. See, we go there too. that's how I was saying. Somebody listening to this knows and you do. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love the panini. We, we love that. That's definitely like, a okay, we got to do something. Uh, we don't have time to make something now or it's just too much. Those, those would be our two go-tos. Awesome. That's so fun to hear that. Okay. Last question. This was from Liz. She said, how do you find your purpose slash passion? kind of a deep question but I'll um, go with it yeah so I was just talking to um I was just talking to Matthew McConaughey on my podcast and casually oh. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey <laughs> yeah I mean it was a it was a it was a I mean he just 
wrote a book called Green Lights, and and it was you know it was a green light moment for me just even chatting with him and talking with him. And and one of the things that we explored was just knowing what you don't want. He, you know, he made the point, and it you know he just said it from his own experience. Actually, he's much much more of an essentialist than I ever knew. Hmm. Uh, there's lots of things about his journey when he suddenly became famous. He describes this scene when he's walking down the road and uh, on like a Friday night or something, and there's like three or four people on the whole road as he's walking down that pay him any attention. You know, oh, I, you know, somebody looks at him, maybe thinks he's good looking or something. Everyone else ignores him. And then by the end of the weekend, when he walks down again on Monday or something, he he's like literally everyone but four people notice him and are looking at him and he's like feeling uncomfortable and he suddenly realizes, wow, the movie has changed it all. You know, like literally one weekend of this mm. being a big hit and suddenly everybody is noticing. And that was sort of the beginning of a, of a period of you know, total night and day change. And one of the things that he did, and he's done this more than once, but is he just kind of goes on a big walkabout. He'll like go for months, even, even sometimes kind of years between things. And on one of these journeys, he really was just trying to work out, not even what do I want, but what do I not want? And I think one of the reasons he's actually been able to survive, you know, now for into the decades in, in an industry that's pretty much designed to destroy people pretty quickly uh, is because he just figured out some of the things he just wouldn't do and didn't want and wasn't passionate about and wasn't interested in. Indeed, he, he, he was supposed to be a lawyer back before he even decided to be an actor. So again, another oh. moment of what he didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's what I would say. You know, it's, it would be great in life and is great whenever we stumble on or find clarity and we know it's this and this is what we want. And I love those moments in my life too. But sometimes that's very high pressured for people to know what do you want five years from now? You give me the answer. But sometimes it's more available is what what you don't want. And just mm-hmm. accept that. And by a process of elimination, you're going to find yourself getting warmer and warmer and warmer till you can find a red hot center. This is this is what my definite yes is. So I think start with the things that are no's for you and trust that. That's fantastic advice. And kind of fun too to find out that you and Matthew McConaughey have that in common that you both had an awakening that where you realized you didn't want to be a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. It worked out well for him. Yeah, well for you too. <laughs> so um, thanks for this rapid fire Q&A. Uh, one more time, where can people find you, your Instagram, your website, your podcast, all of those things? Yeah, I mean, I would say just go to essentialism.com where we have an academy now for, you know, it's like how to make what matters most as effortless as possible. It brings together the best of essentialism and now the best of effortless and it's two, two ways of thinking and working in the world so that you can do what matters most. Um, you, you can also come to the What's Essential podcast, uh, which I thoroughly enjoy doing. And it's really the only... Um, you know, out of the out of the how to be successful type podcasts, it's like maybe one of the only ones about what to do once you are successful. I feel a little distinctive in that way, uh, and uh, and I look forward to continuing the conversation with everyone. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. 
subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox and we'll email you every time there's a new episode.